the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show, 93.9 KPDQ in Portland, 820 AM, The Word in Seattle. Glad to have you with us. And it's glad, I'm glad to be back in the saddle after a week long vacation, twiddling my thumbs, wondering what to do with myself. Anyway, I found something to do and I'm back. Anyway, we're going to talk about a lot of what's going on across the country today, but we're also looking forward to a conversation with Heidi St. John. She is the author, speaker, homeschool mom of seven, by the way. She's the co-founder, along with her husband, Jay, and the director of the nonprofit Family, uh, Firmly Planted Family and the Homeschool Resource Center and much, much more, a congressional candidate. Well, we'll talk with her about what's going on, primarily on the Homeschool Resource Center and what God is doing, some pretty incredible things going on. Uh, with the St. John's, we'll talk about that and how this is impacting our community. So that's coming up but later this hour. We'll also cover some of the headline news. We'll talk about the uh, Trump federal election interference trial. It's set for the day before Super Tuesday, a big deal on the political calendar. And a House Judiciary Committee that's investigating the Fulton County DA, uh, that and much, much more. But first, uh, Tropical Storm Idalia may rapidly intensify into a major hurricane by the time it makes landfall in Florida on Wednesday. So keep the folks in Florida in your prayers. Life-threatening storm surge, damaging winds, and flooding rain are all expected in parts of Florida later today, or rather Tuesday through Wednesday, spreading to the southeast coast by Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Daily is uh, centered between western Cuba and Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula. The storm's forecast to become a hurricane later Monday as it crawls northward so again let's uh, remember those folks in our prayers well a group of six community college professors in california are suing the state over its requirement to include diversity equity and inclusion elements in their courses the foundation for individual rights and expression filed a lawsuit on behalf of the professors from three community colleges in fresno county earlier last week well the professors claim the mandate violates their first amendment rights the regulations are a totalitarian Triple whammy. That's a direct quote, by the way, from the professors. Anyway, the uh, attorney Daniel Ortner said in a statement Thursday, the government is forcing professors to teach and preach a politicized viewpoint they do not share, imposing incomprehensible guidelines and threatening to punish professors when they cross an arbitrary, indiscernible line, end quote. Well, the colleges represented in the lawsuit include four uh, professors from Madeira Community College, one from Reedley College and one from Clovis Community College. The uh, California Community College's new diversity, equity, inclusion and accessibility rules force these professors to endorse the government's view on politically charged questions regarding the uh, the issues of diversity, equity, inclusion and accessibility. They're having none of it. Republican lawmakers on Capitol Hill, they're demanding answers from President Biden about an apparent nuclear understanding with Iran and what sure appears to be a violation of the Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act of 2015. 
Now, the letter sent by House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Michael McCall, a Republican out of Texas, House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, a Republican out of uh, Louisiana, and House GOP Conference Chair Elise Stefanik from New York, expresses the uh, significant concern the House lawmakers have with recent reports about Iran's activities and the Biden administration's talks with the regime. Specifically, as uh, outlined in the letter, Iran has reportedly diluted a small amount of 60 percent enriched uranium in recent weeks and slowed the rate at which it is accumulating new material, which coincided with a deal from Iran to release five American hostages in exchange for several Iranian prisoners and access to at least six billion dollars in frozen Iranian assets held by South Korea and potentially billions more held in Iraq. Well, the deal, which was publicly confirmed by the administration earlier this month, unfreezes six billion dollars in funds held in South Korea from Iran's oil sales for the release of the five Americans who were recently transferred to a house arrest in Tehran. They're not home yet. The U.S. also plans to release some Iranian prisoners in the agreement. Sounds like Iran did pretty well. The U.S. not altogether clear. An Oregon circuit judge has ordered three left-wing Portland advocates who violently attacked and beat guerrilla reporter Andy No during a 2019 protest to pay $300,000 to No who was hospitalized after the attack and claims to have lasting brain injuries. I don't doubt it. The three defendants, Catherine Bollier, Madison Allen, and Joseph Evans, whose name has been legally changed to um, Samich Overkill Scott Deputy, hmm. each owe uh, no, the journalist, $100,000, according to a ruling by the Multnomah County Circuit Judge after a brief hearing on Monday. Noah's not counting on collecting that money, but a ruling in his favor was never really in doubt as the three defendants didn't respond to a court summons and didn't show up in court. A judge ruled last month that they had lost by default. Well, at a hearing uh, regarding three defaulted Antifa defendants in uh, the case, uh, no reports, um, versus Rose City Antifa at all lawsuit. The court heard evidence about the brutal June 29th, 2019 beating he suffered at a Rose City Antifa event where he was seriously injured. The court found that he was indeed battered and assaulted. Thousands of migrants are flowing across the U.S. border in Arizona every day, literally through open floodgates that have uh, been made um at the Tucson Post, the busiest point of illegal entry into the country. U.S. officials have explicitly welded open uh, 114 massive gates, explicitly, or rather inexplicably, (laughs) welded open 114 massive gates along the Arizona border to allow water to flow freely during the annual monsoon season and for the uh, migration of an endangered species of antelope, officials said. But the move is also letting an average of 1,400 migrants from as far as China to casually walk into the country daily with overwhelmed and outnumbered border agents practically helpless to stop them. Brandon Judd, the president of a union representing Border Patrol agents, told The Post that authorities should never open the gates, claiming top USBP officials endangered agents' lives after clearing the path for illegal immigrants to cross. Uh, Judd previously said that open gates at the southern border signal the cartels are exploiting the agency. In this case, however, the union official said the situation exploded almost immediately, which shows you how adept the criminal cartels are at exploiting any weakness at any time that we show them. And we've done that there.
Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Looking forward to a conversation with Heidi St. John. That's coming up later this hour. She's got a... Uh, Homeschool Resource Center, just outside of Vancouver. We want to tell you all about that and more when she joins me. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're working our way through some of the day's headlines, but anticipating a conversation with Heidi St. John. She is an author, a speaker, a homeschool mom, co-founder, along with her husband, and director of the nonprofit Firmly Planted Family and the Homeschool Resource Center. We're going to talk about all of that and more when she joins us later this hour. Well, Democrats who were blaming the Hawaii fires on climate change got a hit with uh, with the truth as Maui revealed the actual cause in this situation. Hawaiian officials attributed the cause of catastrophic wildfires to alleged failures from the state's main power utility company and downed power lines this week or last week, actually, after Democrats blamed the disaster on global warming. In a lawsuit filed Thursday, the government of Maui County, Hawaii, alleged Hawaiian electric company or HECO and its subsidiaries failed to properly power down live electrical equipment amid a red flag windstorm earlier in the month. Well, due to that failure, downed power lines operated by the utility company sparked a series of deadly fires on the island, the lawsuit claimed. <sighs> Meanwhile, a Marxist teacher from Colorado who called for a forceful cultural revolution against whiteness was voted in by Democrats to fill an open state House of Representatives seat on Saturday. Tim Hernandez was selected as a state representative for the Denver area on Saturday by a committee of Democrats taxed, tasked rather with um, filling the vacant seat after its incumbent uh, was elected to the Denver City Council. Former Democrat Senator Joe Lieberman, the founding chair of No Labels on Sunday, tried to uh, ease doubts that the third party group was going to act as a spoiler in the 2024 presidential race, saying it will only launch a bipartisan third party presidential ticket if there is a realistic chance of winning. How you measure that? It's uh, hard to tell. Hunter Biden's former business partner and fellow Burisma board member, Devin Archer, he met with then Secretary of State John Kerry just weeks before the Ukrainian prosecutor who was investigating Burisma was fired in 2016. Well, the former Ukrainian prosecutor general, Viktor Shokin, was fired on the 29th. This is back in 2016, less than four weeks after Archer met with Kerry at the State Department in Washington, D.C., according to a State Department email. Now, this is all relevant because of the Hunter Biden investigation that has implicated the president and whether or not he has crossed the line ethically. Donald Trump has turned his Georgia mugshot into a record-breaking fundraising hall. The former president has raised $7.1 million since he was booked by the uh, rather at the Atlanta jail Thursday evening, according to figures provided first to Politico by the campaign. On Friday alone, Trump raised $4.18 million, making it the single highest 24-hour period of his campaign to date, according to a person familiar with the totals. The record haul underscores how Trump's legal woes have been a fundraising boon for his campaign, even as his political operation has spent tens of millions on his defense. The mounting legal charges have also failed to dent Trump's standing in the Republican presidential primary, with the former president now routinely beating his rivals by 30 to 50 points in polls. A little over two months ago, the Los Angeles City Council voted to officially become a sanctuary city in the sanctuary state of California. Well, now L.A. Mayor Karen Bass is saying that illegal aliens aren't invited to the city of Los Angeles. 
in stark contrast to her prior statements. I mean, when it didn't mean anything, when one was coming, it didn't actually require them to do anything. It was kind of a nice moniker to uh, to have. But now, not so much. Bass's newfound opposition comes after Texas Governor Greg Abbott has spent months busing illegal immigrants to Los Angeles. Tenth bus from Texas arrives in Los Angeles carrying 39 migrants, one reporter reports, including 12 families and 21 children. The tenth bus comes five days after the last. Earlier this week, Mayor of L.A. Karen Bass told me L.A. is not ex- uh, has not extended an invitation asking for people to come. This is a political act. Well, the point is, the person in charge of protecting our border isn't listening. Perhaps um, Democrat mayors and governors across the country who are inundated will help him to get the message. Former Ukraine Prosecutor General Shokin claims the Bidens are corrupt. It was an exclusive interview with Fox News. Former Ukrainian Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin detailed the involvement he believed President Biden the then vice president played in his firing and how it involved Hunter Biden's business dealings. Well, during the interview uh, with Brian Kilmeade, Shokin said he has uh, he was ousted in 2016 because he was investigating Burisma, the Ukrainian natural gas company where Hunter Biden served on the board. Shokin also claimed that Joe and Hunter Biden accepted bribes in the case and that the then vice president ultimately hurt America's reputation and created the groundwork for Russia to invade Ukraine. Well, that's quite a statement. You can find that interview on Fox News. Victor Shokin is 70. He said, I have no doubt that there were illegal activities engaged in by Burisma, the natural gas firm he had been investigating when he was pulled as prosecutor by Ukraine's then president in 2016. The bombshell claims were made on Saturday's One Nation in an interview that saw the former chief prosecutor also assert he was twice poisoned by those trying to keep their actions quiet. Two years ago, in 2021, a suicide blast ravaged the streets of Kabul's International Airport, killing 13 American service members. To this day, the families who lost their loved ones feel President Biden has ignored their pleas for answers on the deadly event. Mark Schmidt's son, Lance Corporal Jared Schmidt, he was killed in the aftermath of the botched U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. In a statement, Uh, He expressed his frustration that the president has refused to answer whether the bomber could have been um, counteracted before the attack. There seems to be some evidence to suggest that was a possibility. The father accused Biden of withholding crucial information on the attack that led to his son's death. Representative Mike Walls says on this day, two years ago, 11 Marines, one sailor and one soldier were killed in a suicide bombing at Abbey Gate, along with more than 160 Afghans. We will never forget those brave service members, nor the sacrifices of their loved ones. President Biden is expected to ask for additional funding for more COVID vaccines and possibly mandate boosters. The president on Friday said he plans to ask for more funding from Congress for the development of a new coronavirus vaccine. The announcement comes as a recent rise in COVID-19 cases in some regions has resulted in the return of mask mandates by some entities in the U.S. hospitalizations due to COVID-19, have also risen in the past few weeks as well. The new vaccines developed by Pfizer, Moderna, and Novavax have also redesigned to uh, been redesigned to target the dominant XBB variants that magically popped up just in time for the general election. The jab is expected to be rolled out sometime in mid-September. The Democratic Party is again uh, urging the Americans into thinking the virus is still a threat. 
There's some question about that among Americans. Well, progressives are rejoicing as birth rates have dramatically dropped. For most of human history, people could agree that children were a blessing. Religion reinforced the idea, borne out by experience. Well, in the past, shorter life expectancies, higher rates of childhood mortality, brutal living conditions, and the absence of social welfare programs made it harder to take family for granted. Yet, as uh, for as long as this pro-natalist culture has existed, so too have political forces seeking to undermine it. The overpopulation anxiety is hardly new. Nevertheless, a new form of anti-natalist thinking is creeping into the minds of Western policymakers as birth rates plummet across the developed world. Some are cheering on this development as positive, even necessary. Fewer young people mean less innovation, a smaller labor force, a more vulnerable military, as well as less tax revenue to support pensions and health care costs. Well, this results in greater pressure on the existing population. Well, earlier this year in France, protests ensued after the retirement age was raised from 62 to 64 years old. Think of the public's reaction when there's cause to push it to 70 or even higher. That's where we are headed and that's where we stand, at least for now. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, a conversation with Heidi St. John. She's an author, a speaker, a homeschool mom. She also oversees the Firmly Planted Family Nonprofit and the Homeschool Resource Center right across the river in Vancouver. More on that when she joins us on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, as promised, this is the better part of today's program because with me in studio, Heidi St. John. She is an author, speaker, homeschool mom of seven, by the way, co-founder along with her husband, Jay, and director of the nonprofit Firmly Planted Family and the Homeschool Resource Center. We're going to talk more about that, offering full-time homeschool support. Um, to the Portland, Vancouver area on the Homeschool Resource Center. And uh, there's just a lot going on. So I, first of all, I'm just delighted to have you with us. As I mentioned, Heidi is the author of several books, including Becoming Mom Strong: How to Fight with All That's in You for Your Family and Your Faith, and its corresponding Becoming Mom Strong Bible Study, as well as her latest, Mom Strong 365, a one-year devotional to encourage and empower everyday moms. She also has a podcast, um, off the Bench with Heidi St. John is nearly 20 million downloads and is available wherever podcasts are found. Their nonprofit organization, Firmly Planted Family, and the Homeschool Resource Center um, are based in uh, the Vancouver area. Uh, she has seven children, all of whom have been homeschooled, and four grandchildren. And I'm exhausted just saying it all. You've actually, you're living it all. <laughs> Thank you for making your way here to the studio today. Ah, uh, Georgine, I Welcome. love being here. Thanks for having me. Well, you've got a lot going on. I didn't even mention, you know, running for Congress and other things that have been a part of yes. your life most recently. What motivates you uh, to keep your hand in to what's happening in the culture today and to encourage and equip moms in in particular, but families in general? Well, I just believe God's word and the Bible teaches us that we're not here for no reason. And I've I've told my children as we've taught them history lessons over the year, you know, I put a timeline up on our wall a long time ago when the kids were little 
And the t- the purpose of the timeline was that they could see God's unfolding story, right? History mm. is really his story. It's God's story. And so just like my kids are going to see, you know, Cain and Abel and Moses, and maybe they're going to see Abraham Lincoln, and they're going to see uh, Ronald Reagan and some of the people that have made a, a positive impact in our culture and a negative one on the timeline. I want them to also see that their names are on that timeline. Mm. And so you're going to see something in 1967 on my timeline that's probably not on anybody else's timeline, and that's the birth of my husband, Jay St. John. And I want my kids to see that their dad's birth on God's timeline was no less significant than the birth of George Washington or the birth of Moses or Abraham. God has a plan and a purpose. And so if we're here, we're supposed to be doing something. And so our family has always been at the front lines of what's going on in the culture and believing that um, that this is our time. We were born for this time in human history. And I don't think God's looking down at this generation going, man, I sure picked the wrong people for the battle, <laughs> yeah. you know, for the battle. Uh, and I think it's worth fighting. God loves uh, the people of this world. We know it because his word boldly declares it. And uh, right now we're under attack, as you and I were just talking a minute ago about in every area of the culture. And I just want to encourage people, God's not asleep. He's not afraid. And if he's not asleep and he's not afraid, then I don't want to be asleep or afraid either. Yeah, and you just made the point that every one of us has a significant role to play on his timeline. There's a purpose and a call on each one of us. Some of us are so overwhelmed that we've simply withdrawn. We, mm. we don't know where where to begin, where to put our hand in. What do you say to moms, to families who are seeing what's happening in our culture and don't even know where to begin because yeah. it is so overwhelming and maybe have lost uh, a confidence that God is at work, that he could possibly use me in the midst of all that's happening. Yeah, you know, this is such a great question. And I think a lot of us are feeling it now. Mm-hmm. If, I mean, if we're not feeling overwhelmed by what's going on in the culture, we're not paying attention. Right. But I was just reading to my podcast audience the other day out of Jeremiah 29, right, talking, you know, this is the prophet Jeremiah talking to the Israelites who are in the midst of a Babylonian captivity. Why were they there? Because I disobeyed God again and again and again. We can learn a lot from the Israelites. And yet God's instruction through Jeremiah to them in the midst of this, of this captivity was have children, plant vineyards, give your sons and your daughters in marriage. Uh, the Bible actually says pray for the peace and prosperity of the mm-hmm. city in which God has put you because if it prospers, you also prosper. And I think that's the answer. So when people say to me, I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. I, I will usually say, uh, what is it? What is the issue? that just makes your heart break? Is it, is it abortion? Is it what's happening to our children through the lie that is transgenderism? What is it that God has burdened your heart for? Chances are that's the area that God wants you to speak into. We can't speak into every single yeah. area of the culture, right? And so it's asking the Lord. I also t- I love to tell moms because, you know, I have seven children, obviously, and I have a passion for mothers. If if the moms who are listening, you know, if there's a mother listening to this and she's got little ones at home and she's a nursing infant and she's, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking to her, right? Prayer is a powerful weapon. If you're, if you're in a season of life right now that defies you doing anything besides just, you know, wrangling your children and keeping your home, God understands that too. And there's power in prayer. There's so much power in it. And so no matter where we are, whatever season of life we're in, God wants to use us. I think the question is just going before him and saying, Father, what what does it look like for me in this season of my life? Yeah, absolutely. And we underestimate the tremendous privilege it is through Jesus Christ to have access to the throne of grace mm. and to make our requests known to the Father. And he hears, I mean, yeah. that that's Hallelujah. incredible. We think, well, I can pray. I guess I can. Yeah. But that's such an amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right that for many of us, we are overwhelmed by all of the details, all of the issues that are surrounding us. And yet, as the body of Christ, we are warriors appointed to different 
different things to yes. find out what is my call? What's my purpose? What's my gifting? How is God calling me to be used? And if all of us are faithful to do that, everything's going to be covered. There are yeah. sufficient numbers of us in the kingdom to do what God intends to be done. Yeah. So it's a great relief to me to know that there are others on the battlefield, maybe wearing different armor or maybe focusing on a different area. But God is at work in his people when we are faithful and obedient and listening. Lord, where would you appoint me? Oh, it's that's it. Right. And so not to be discouraged. Isn't what the Bible yes. says over and over again? Don't get discouraged and well-doing. Because if we keep at it, if we don't give up, the Bible says that a harvest of joy is coming. And people can look around the culture and say, well, it doesn't feel very joyful. You know, I got to do is turn on the news and it's just bad news because that's how they make their money, right? Just one bad line, bad headline after another. And yet God is at work and there are so many good things happening. I think that the Lord is rising, raising up a generation of young people, this generation of young people asking more questions mm-hmm. than my generation. You know, I grew up in the seventies and we were too arrogant to ask the questions, right? Cause we had it all figured out. This generation is looking around going, something's wrong. Something's really wrong. And they're starting to ask questions. We need to be there with the answers that come from the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing time to be a Christian. I don't feel discouraged. I, I, I'm angry, if I'm honest. I'm angry at they're attacking our children in particular. But I'm not discouraged because I know that God's always at work. And so my friend Mike Ferris always says, you know, the best way to lose a battle, don't show up to fight. Mm. Yeah, and far too many of us have simply chosen not to show up. Yeah, it's true to the fight, and we don't yeah. we don't show up alone. Um, God is in us; He is for us; He is with us, and we just need to have the courage by the power of His Spirit to step forward yeah. and do what He's calling us to do. Yeah, it's so true. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that I ran for Congress last year. Uh, one of the most difficult things that I have ever done, ever tried mm-hmm. to undertake. And uh, we came very close to winning the primary in Washington's third congressional district. And my takeaway from that was that when God calls us to do something, he's not necessarily calling us to win. He's calling us to obey. We learn through obedience. And I learned so much about uh, the political process. I learned that there are uh, there are bad people, frankly, on both sides of the political aisle. We are called to be salt and light wherever we go. My friend Rob McCoy came up here and campaigned with me a couple of times with uh, Rick Green and some other just powerhouses from around the country. And I told him one day, one morning when I went out to campaign, I said, I'm just so tired. Not only that, but I'm I'm starting to get afraid. You know, people sending me hate mail and mm-hmm. death threats and all. I mean, this is a Republican primary. So it wasn't like I was in the middle of a you know, Republican versus Democrat. This was a Republican primary. And he looked at me and he said, he said, I don't ever want to hear the word afraid come out of your mouth again. He said, either you're here because God appointed you for this time in history or you're not here, and you are here. And so nothing's going to take you out before the Lord of Heaven's army says it's time. And so you can you can walk this thing out in confidence boldly because you know that the Lord is by your side. And he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And that was pivotal mm. uh, in my run for Congress because it took the fear out of uh, the way that I was operating. And the Lord said, don't be afraid. And I think if Christians could get that, if we could really get it deep down into our hearts, we would start showing up for school board meetings. We would start going to the library boards. We would start speaking out about what's happening to our children, knowing that our hands and our lives and our times belong to the Mm. Lord. No weapon formed against me will prosper. That doesn't have an expiration date. It didn't expire in the 20th century and somehow doesn't apply in the 21st. Yeah, Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Talking with Heidi St. John this afternoon, author, speaker, homeschool mom. We're going to talk more about some of the projects she's been involved in. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast.
is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. With me in studio, Heidi St. John. She is an author, speaker, homeschool mom. She has a podcast. She is overseeing a couple of nonprofits, the Homeschool Resource Center. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. And Firmly Planted Family. Uh, so delighted to have you uh, with us today to encourage all of us who are believers in Jesus um, to remember what our calling is. You know, we read the scriptures and we sometimes just roll our eyes. Why didn't they, you know, did they forget what Jesus, what God had provided for them in the wilderness? How was it they could do that? Had they forgotten his provision? And yet we are so like they in that we um, overlook and forget and we we shrink back from the challenge that God has called us to. You've chosen not to do that as the mother of seven and a woman of influence, not just in your community in the Portland, Vancouver area, but all across the country and beyond. Well, I'm, I am, it's to me, it's, it's a duty. We don't talk much about duty in the country anymore, right? We, I grew up with a grandparent. My granddad was a pastor in an evangelical church in Beaverton. And I grew up with them talking to me about duty and why it was so important that we, we actually live this life out that God mm-hmm. has given us. And so it's in my DNA. And I'm hoping this, my, the name of my podcast is Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. I'm hoping to get people off the bench and onto the battlefield to say, Hey, listen, uh, we should be ambassadors. I love that the apostle Paul, you know, so clearly said as he was trying to disciple the people around him, follow me as I follow Christ. And so that means that we should be living lives of integrity, lives that are worthy of emulating. Not that we do it perfectly, because certainly we don't. And I, as I can tell you, as a mother of seven, I've had many not so great, <laughs> not so great moments in my life. But I do think I wonder what would happen if we again brought uh, the the call to duty and a call to living lives of integrity. We've just kind of gotten used to, oh, well, that's just political. You know, that person's just an office. So, of course, they're a snake in the grass. So, of course, this. So, of course, that. But we don't demand more. Mm-hmm. We don't demand more of our pastors. We don't demand it of ourselves in the culture. And yet the Lord calls us to live a life that's set apart. He said, be holy as I am holy. Well, what does that look like? We're called to be different. And so to me, you know, getting out and sort of taking the lead as the Lord has, has called me to do, it's exciting. And I get to uh, to see God changing people li- people's lives. He's still in the business, Georgine, as you well know, of healing. And he can heal the nation. He can heal Portland, Oregon, which I love. I was born here. What about Seattle? Is there any hope I, for Seattle? I, I believe that there is. My husband tells me, yes, he was born in Seattle. So I'm <laughs> praying for it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, again, I, I think it's uh, it's encouraging to be reminded that God is at work and he mm-hmm. does that through us. Uh, there are a lot of different means he might choose to do that, but when he calls us to be his hands and feet, to extend the love of Christ into our culture. And sometimes sometimes that means standing firm in areas where it can be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I've been in those situations as you have. And it's amazing to me that I see facets of God's character and provision in those circumstances that I don't see in the comfort of uh, disobedience or in, in the comfort of my chair, you know, just looking on. There's something exhilarating about walking with God in the midst of the challenges that he, I believe, has called all of us to in one way or another. Yeah. And then we get to see him answer. We get to see him work. And I, you know, we're putting uh, big things out in front of our children. You know, let's pray for this. Let's pray for that. That we believe that God is still the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he's still moving mountains and that he can still bring healing to a country like the United States that's turned its back on him. Uh, I believe that he can do that. And I am committed, as I know you are, to just sharing that message wherever we go. And you know what's interesting? It's resonating with people. Mm-hmm. It really does resonate. This The message of the gospel is a message of hope. It's a message of healing. And I'm always telling my kids, listen, if you know Jesus, 
you have what everyone in the world is looking for, right? You're, you know where you're, you know where you came from and you know where you're going. And when you know where you came from and you know where you're going and you know that you're loved, that you're fully loved, that God loves you, uh, there's something about that that just allows us to actually say, okay, Lord, I now know I belong to you. Show me what it is that you want me to do. And to me, that starts with loving the people that are around you. It starts right there. It starts at home, right? And it's honoring God's priorities. So I always like to tell people, listen, God has a priority system, right? So he doesn't want you jumping ahead and writing a book or starting a pod if your marriage is a mess or your family is struggling. He wants you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Out of an overflow of what God does between my relationship with him, I pour into my husband. And out of an overflow of what God does between me and my husband, we pour into our children. And we everything that God does is an overflow, right? Because he's a God of abundance. Mm-hmm. And so it's a question of keeping his priorities straight. Some people listen to them, well, I'm single. Well, God wants you to pour into the things that he has given to you first. What are the things of first importance who is your family? You start there. We make sure our families are healthy and whole, and then we pour into people around us. One of the ways that you have done that is through um, firmly planted family homeschool resource centers. You have uh, homeschooled seven children. Uh, you have poured into them, you and your husband, and now you are helping to equip and pour into other families. Talk a little bit about the uh, the homeschool resource center in general, and then I want to talk a bit about how this whole thing started, because it's really quite remarkable. Well, the Homeschool Resource Center is the area's first full-time homeschool resource center. It was, uh, we started in 2017. And honestly, we, you know, I I remember I was in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, because I speak for a living. So I was out on the road with my husband speaking that season when Barack Obama issued one of many edicts about the public bathrooms and our public schools. And I remember just looking at my husband saying, The homeschool cooperatives that we've been doing are not going to be enough to meet the needs of the kids that are going to need to come out of this system. And so we began to pray and God opened up a a way for us to to have our own building in Vancouver. We started with, I think, 100 students. And uh, at the time that we moved out of that building, we had close to 1,400 students on the rolls there. But the idea behind it is that it is a it is an actual resource center. So what we're doing is we're connecting students with tutors. So we don't have a staff that we hire. Everybody there comes and they interview to be a part of what we're doing. Everyone teaches from a biblical worldview. So we know uh, because the Bible says that a student, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. So we want to know who the teachers mm-hmm. are when they come in to instruct the students. We currently have about 230 classes that we're offering there, anything anything from the Constitution, uh, math classes, history, science, ceramics, beekeeping, automotive. We're bringing back the trades, you name it. And what we're trying to do is help parents fold their kids where they're bent, believing that God gives our children to us with a plan and a purpose already in place. And so uh, we're helping parents sort of figure out what that is. And uh, parents can come there. We're open uh, Monday through Thursday and Fridays. We have a homeschool cooperative that meets there. It's an amazing, it's an amazing, amazing place. So uh, we're excited to see what God's going to do with it in the days to come. Now, when you say you have a building, what comes to mind probably (laughs) is a storefront, you know, where people are kind of coming. You have a building. (laughs) This is an incredible building. And yeah. you, uh, you own that building. That building is yours. Tell you, yeah. you, uh, recognize that there was a need for more resource, 
uh, when you first um, heard the Barack Obama quote. Yeah. Uh, tell us how you acquired this building and where that that process stands, because it's it's amazing. It's an amazing it's a God story, right? It's just showing how, how big God is. So uh, several years ago, right, actually, in the middle of my run for Congress, we realized things are getting worse and worse in the public schools. And because of covid, parents were finally seeing what was being taught to their students. And we were already at capacity at our other building, and we began to pray. We found this building. Someone said, hey, this building might be coming available to you. We were in a 19,000-square-foot building, and we went over and we looked at this place, fifty-six or 57,000 square feet. And my husband and I, they gave us a tour. Has it, uh, Georgie and I can't wait for you to come out. It has an auditorium in it, a recording studio in it, classroom space galore. It's an amazing place. And I was like, oh, my word, this is the place. This is the place. So we started bringing groups of parents over to that building on the weekends, and we walked around it in faith seven times every time we went, praying over it, laying hands on that building. $16.4 million was the purchase price for that facility. And we didn't have it. But you know who does have it? God has it, right? <laughs> he owns cattle on a thousand. Yeah, years. I mean, to the to the father, it's nothing, right? The question is, do we have the faith, and is this what God wants us to do, mm-hmm. right? And so we began just praying in faith, Lord. You see what's happening. We're out of room. We were literally at capacity at our, at our other place. Fifty seven parking places. They were full every day of the week. And uh, in December of last year, God provided an $8 million gift to the organization. We sold our building for $4 million, so we needed an additional about three point four, and that came in in May. And uh, we got a grant, and it's amazing. And so, yeah, right around the first part of June, we went down to Fidelity National, and we signed for that building, and we own it free and clear. And it really is the provision of the Lord. Uh, Isaiah 26 says, everything that we have accomplished, O Lord, you have done for us. And that's what I want people to hear. This is not about Jay and Heidi St. John. This is about the Lord of Heaven's armies who sees what is happening to his children. And heaven weeps over what is happening to our children. They are being assaulted, body, soul, mind, and spirit. And these kids belong to the Lord. And so we have opened uh, our doors at Friendly Planet in this brand new building. We spent the last two months now there. You know, we're working 15 hours a day trying to get it ready to go. And we've got volunteers coming, and uh, we're going to be opening our doors for classes on the 11th of September. Cannot wait. Well, more on that. We do need to take a quick break, but there's an opening on uh, the 6th of September. We'll tell you all about that when we return. But we do have news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour. Stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. My guest, Heidi St. John. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're heard here at 93.9 KPDQ FM and 820 AM, The Word. We've been recently engaged, so glad to have you along for the ride, at least for the next uh, half hour. Heidi St. James is my guest. She is an author, a speaker, a homeschool mom, a congressional candidate, co-founder, along with her husband, Jay, and director of the nonprofit Firmly Planted Family and the Homeschool Resource Center, offering full-time homeschool support to uh, families in the Portland-Vancouver area. Uh, just so thrilled about this uh, this wonderful ministry. Before the break, you were telling us a bit about how God essentially gifted that building to this ministry and how you uh, literally went to that building before it belonged to you. You prayed, you walked around it, you laid hands on it, you anointed the building, trusting that if God was calling you to do something, he was going to provide what was necessary to pull it off. And he did that faithfully. And it's just a testimony to who God is and what he will do for his faithful servants when we listen and we obey. Nothing is beyond him. 
Absolutely. Nothing is beyond the living God. I, I One of the things that so encouraged me, you know, most of our kids are grown. You and I are just talking about that. And uh, Jay and I, a lot of them have moved out. We got a couple at home still. And one night, I mean, we're just in bed. We're trying to, you know, kind of wind down for the evening. And Jay said, have you seen Summer? So Summer's our 21-year-old. And I'm like, no, I haven't seen her. And she should have been home. And it's like 11 o'clock at night. So we did like all good parents. We get out our trusty, you know, Life360 app and we find her. And she was at the building. And as it turned out, you know, I, I talked to her later on uh, that week. I said, what, you know, what, were, what are you doing at the building? And she said, oh, mom. She said, I, the Lord has been putting it on my heart. She said, I go there all the time. Mm. When I get off work, she said, I go and I sit in the parking lot and I turn on my praise music. And I just say, Lord, you, you see the need. You know, please help us help these kids. And so this, you know, this 21-year-old who's seeing this giant need and knows we don't have $16 million dollars. But she knows that God can do it. And I think it's faith like that. It's moments like that when we realize that the lives that we are living and our decision to follow Jesus is impacting the rising generation and the time is short. And so I'm just watching what God is doing and it encourages me to know. And in fact, we're putting a little bench out there and we're calling it Summer's Garden. Mm. And we're going to encourage people, come and sit and pray because nothing is too hard for God. He hears your prayers. It's amazing. Now, I I would imagine there's somebody listening thinking, well, that's Heidi St. John. Of course, that sort of thing happens to her and her family. That's that's the sort of thing. But, I, you know, my personality is different. I, I don't know that God is wants to use me in any significant way. I may not be as articulate as I think I need to be in order to be used. Moses aside. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say to, to that person who feels like, well, you know, I'm a part of the kingdom, but I don't know that God is actually going to use me in any meaningful way to carry out his plan and purpose in this age. Well, I, I think everyone has, I mean, to me, that's doubt, right? I think everyone has doubt. And I can't remember who's it was John, which of the apostles said to Jesus, I do believe, help my unbelief, right? Just this, this honest willingness to go, this is hard. This mm-hmm. is hard. And so I was, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk. You know me. I'm a very, I, I'm kind of a straight shooter. When people say to me, well, that's just you. My, my initial response lately has been like, maybe stop making excuses, Maybe mm. stop hiding behind, well, that's somebody else's call or that's somebody else's voice or somebody else's gift. Because God declares in his word that he has created each of us unique in his image and we each have something to do. I met a wonderful woman at an event that I was speaking at in California a couple of weeks ago and she said, I just don't know what, what God would have me do. I'm 70 years old. I feel like my my time to be active is over. And I said, what do you like to do? And she said, well, I don't know. I, I like to write. I, I said, have you ever considered writing letters to the editor? If you're considered, you know, writing and praying over over what God would have you say, and I just heard from her a couple of weeks ago, and boy, if that woman's not writing letters to the editor <laughs> like a house of fire, I, to me, there, we all have a calling, and our calling might be to prayer to start a prayer group. Maybe your call is to work with the kids in the public schools. I mean, we certainly don't want the presence of God's people to be out of the public schools. Mm-hmm. I would just like to see the kids exit the public yeah, schools. Yeah. But I, I'm, I guess, I am tired, and, and I mean that sincerely. Not sarcastically, I am tired of hearing God's chosen people say, that's not for me. That's somebody else's job, somebody else's voice, somebody else's platform, somebody else's gift, somebody else is more articulate, somebody else is more gifted. It just simply isn't true. It's a lie of the enemy. Because if you're breathing right now, God's got something he wants you to do. And so we need to start asking him, what does it look like? And all of our, our things don't have to be the same because we're part of the body, right? But we need each other. I learned in my run for Congress how much I needed the prayer warriors that came alongside us and the people that wrote letters to the editor and the people that showed up to set up events and the people that stayed late to take them down. Every single one of those people 
made my run for Congress possible. It's the same at the Homeschool Resource Center, right? The people that are coming to put up walls and the people that are staying late to make sure that the bathrooms are clean and that the entryway is is ready to go. Everybody using their gifts. When we do that, God moves mountains. And every single one of us has a role to play. Georgie and I wonder what would happen. I mean, you and I are sitting here, right? Beautiful view in, in Portland. And I wonder what would happen if God, it brings me to tears. I wonder what would happen if God's people would just engage again. Mm. I wonder if we'd stop making excuses, if we would just start praying on our faces and fasting again. God, what would you have me do? Here I am. Send me. Send me. What would happen? I, I think we'd see God move mountains right here in the Northwest. I wonder if we've lost confidence in God because we we don't know his word. Mm. Um, we're not asking. We're not listening. We're distracted. Mm. We're busy. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't have insight like the Holy Spirit does. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder um, how many of us have, have simply disqualified ourselves because we imagine we have no usefulness in the kingdom. And yet that is contrary to everything that the scriptures teach us. And God is so graciously gifted every one of us mm-hmm. in ways that we may not even be aware yep. for the sake of his kingdom to edify one another and to minister in the place that he's put us, whether that's in a school or in a family or in a in a political campaign. Mm-hmm. God has a, a call and purpose for every one of us. He does. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, I wonder if it's that we don't know his word. You know, we've, we were growing up, uh, my children have been growing up, and I think I did too in the 70s and 80s in a generation of biblically illiterate mm-hmm. Christians. So we know every word to every worship song that's ever been written on the face of the earth. We can stand and raise our hands with the best of them, but we don't know God's word and we can't defend it. And so when the, when the trials come and they are, boy, they're at us right now, fast and furious, right? We have to know what God says. God isn't silent on the issues that we're facing today. His word addresses them. And so we have to know God's word. And I think that is where, as you rightly pointed out, we get our confidence and our identity then, rather than coming from the voices that we hear about how we're not enough. The voice comes from God who said, you are enough. I've created you with a purpose. I love you. I love you. And I wonder what would happen if we really understood it, you know, right down in our soul, like as my friend Roxanne says, in my knower, you know, <laughs> I know that he knows me in my knower. And I think that is what changes. But we got to be in the word. We got to stop making excuses for not being in the word and not knowing his word. Uh, and I think once we start to do that again and we begin to see again the God of the Bible as he is alive on those pages of his word, right? We know his word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut through all the lies that we hear That's in the right. culture. And if we would just open his word and study it again, I think that things could change. We're talking with Heidi St. John. I'm Georgine Rice. Quick break and we'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. With me in studio, Heidi St. John. She's an author, speaker, homeschool mom, and so much more. We don't have time to go into all of it, but there are a couple of things I want to make sure we cover before our time comes to a close. One is your latest book, Mom Strong, a daily devotional to encourage and empower everyday moms. MomStrong 365. This is a volume that covers every day of the year. Tell us a little bit about it and the book launch that's coming up. Yeah, I just believe that this generation of mothers are facing very unique challenges in the culture. You know, I'm raising my 12-year-old daughter in a much different world than I raised my 32-year-old daughter in, and we need to be in the Word every day. And so this is my attempt at just guiding uh, people into uh, God's Word. So every day I'm just sharing a little scripture and maybe a thought from that scripture and trying to say, hey, you know, stay in there, stay in there. And I think I am very transparent. And so 
a lot of my failures and slip ups and flub ups are in there. Uh, but the idea is to really just give moms a little dose of truth every day. So I've been calling it sort of everyday truths for everyday moms. And hopefully it'll be an encouragement. Tomorrow night's the book launch. And so uh, and anybody's interested, the first 25 people at the door tomorrow night going to get a free copy of that book that I'll be sitting there uh, signing. And then we're doing, oh, my goodness, like 15 wonderful giveaways and door prizes and uh, charcuterie. And the event is free. Uh, wow. But people need to register for it. So you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash 365 and register for that. It's going to be a hoot and holler in good time. Uh, it's a Heidi St. John party. So, of course, it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Charcuterie, you name it. It's going to be great. So, again, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash 365. That's right. Okay. That's tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. And where is it located? It's in Vancouver. It's in Battleground, actually. Oh, in Battleground. Yeah, so I live in Battleground. So I partner with a local restaurant. And uh, La Uva Fortuna is the name of the restaurant. It used to be called the Rusty Grape. Some people remember it as the Rusty Grape. But it's now called La Uva Fortuna. And they're wonderful people. And they're just, it's going to be, a, it's a beautiful, it's on a vineyard. It's a beautiful location. Mm. So people can order off their menu if they come. They can get uh, pizza and whatever else is on the menu. But we will be offering charcuterie. And uh, and it's just it's going to be a, a really encouraging time. I feel like we need some encouragement right now. Absolutely. A little celebration. A little and fun. celebration go a long, long way. OK, so that's coming up tomorrow night at La Hula Hame. La Uba for <laughs> I do the same thing. E-I-E-I-O. In Battleground. That's right. And you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash 365 to register and say, hey, I'm coming. Have a piece of meat on a board for me. Absolutely. That? That's my favorite thing. Have a piece of meat on a board. Let's do it. <laughs> Well, it's called something better than that. <laughs> That's right. But it's the same thing. Charcuterie. Blah, blah, blah. Now, I also want to make sure our listeners know about the uh, sort of the grand opening, if you will, uh, coming up on Wednesday, September 6th of this wonderful homeschool facility that, again, you have to see it to believe how incredible the facility is, not to mention what's going on inside. Tell us about uh, that dedication. Well, as you can see, I mean, I'm li- I literally vibrate with ideas of all the things we're going to do in that building. It's going to be amazing. But we're doing something really special on that night. So who, who, if you're listening to this and you've been thinking, you know, maybe I want to homeschool my kids or maybe I would take advantage, we are going to open up registration one more time. So it's closed right now. We're going to open it up on that night. So if you saw a class that still had a couple of uh, spaces left in it, you can actually register your children one night only. So September 6th, 6 p.m. at the new building. And uh, I'm hoping that people will be uh, encouraged by what's going to happen. There are going to be dessert trucks out there, stations for children. So a lot of the teachers are setting up little uh, stations around the parking lot. And then at 6.30, the program starts. And around 7 o'clock, we're going to cut the ribbon and allow people to go into the building and see it for the first time. Uh, self-guided tours. It's just going to be a wonderful celebration and really a giving back to the Lord to say, mm-hmm. Lord, everything that we have accomplished, you have done for us. And so it's an opportunity to turn all of our eyes heavenward and recognize that God is doing something. So we're going to give him the glory. We're going to be worshiping. That's why I'm saying, Georgine, you should come and sing with me. We're going to be worshiping. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. And that's coming up again, September 6th at 6 p.m., uh, a lot of excitement going on. It's located at 14001 Southeast 1st Street in Vancouver. You can look that up. You go to the Heidi's uh, website for more information about that. 
but this is a last chance for fall registration, and you're not going to want to miss that. Bring your own chair. All the details you can find yes. online. Uh, but it's going to be a great time of dedication and just celebration of what God has done. And, and what you have described to us is nothing short of God intervening and say, I'm going to provide what's needed in order to accomplish my uh, my purpose in this community. And what an exciting thing to see. And I think encouraging to the rest of us who maybe have been given a vision that far exceeds our capacity to remember that we need to look up. God, God owns it all. He's in charge. He's doing things that we're unaware of. And there's always more going on behind his scene than we are, um, are familiar with. So be encouraged, be inspired and join the celebration. Yeah. And it really is. It really will be a celebration. Bring your children. It'll be a great night to bring your children. We're going to be having water stations. I don't know how warm it's going to be on the 6th, but we will be hydrating everybody. And I think it's just an opportunity for us to get some encouragement. I I think you've probably noticed this too. People are discouraged right Mm -hmm. now. There's an air of discouragement. I feel like this the um, the spirit of the age has just done a really good job of discouraging God's people. And we are going to be standing and declaring boldly on Wednesday, September the 6th, that we trust the living God, that we know that he's not done with this, that God loves the city of Portland and God loves Vancouver. And so we can, sh- we can shine brightly for him. We can celebrate what God is doing. We can love our children well. And so that's really what we want to do. And I'm hoping that people who are listening will come out that night with a heart of expectation to just see something beautiful that the Lord is doing. And you said it, God owns it all. Yeah, yeah, he does. Well, it's exciting to see what he has done in in this area. You know, most of the rest of the country sees the Pacific Northwest as a hopeless place. And yet I believe God is going to and has already begun birthing some significant ministry from this part of the world. And I'm excited to see just this little slice of it. And uh, so much of what what's going on in his economy is is um, greater than we can expect or greater than we can um, imagine. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, we serve the living God. What a time to be a Christian. What a time to see uh, to see God because we're looking up now, right? We're saying, Father, we see the mess that we're in, right? Much like the Israelites when God exiled them uh, mm-hmm. to Babylon, you know, they disobeyed. Hey, hey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> does it sound familiar? Take another lap around Mount Sinai. Well, I kind of feel like that's where we are right now. And yet God said, I'm going to bring you back into the land that I have given you. And no matter what happens, we are called to pray and work toward the peace and the prosperity the city in which we live. And if God's people would hear that call and actually put feet to it, Georgine, what would happen if if we allowed God to put feet to our faith? Where would God take us? If we Mm. allowed God to give us our voices, what would he have us say? I think good things are ahead for the city of Portland and for Vancouver. Anna, you and I, boy, we're here for it. We trust the Lord. Absolutely. You are not too young. You're not too old. You don't lack the experience necessary to accomplish what God is calling you to. Uh, You're not too heavy. You're not too thin. Your race is not an impediment. God is calling us as the body of Christ uh, to stand firmly uh, on his promises and to move forward in however he's directing us. And I'm excited to see what the days have to offer uh, as we walk in faithfulness before God. I want to thank you for faithfully hearing the Lord speak and to walk in (laughs) uh, in his purposes Uh, for setting an example and for coming here and joining us here today. I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Well, good night to our Seattle listeners, but we'll be back in just a few moments for 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, former President Donald Trump's trial on federal charges related to his alleged attempts to overturn the 2020 election is set to begin on March 4th. That's one day before Super Tuesday. 
Well, as you may have uh, known, as you followed all of this, U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin set the trial date for Monday or set it on Monday after prosecutors in the case asked that the trial begin on the 2nd of January. Trump's lawyers advocated for a start date of April of 2026. Didn't happen. He's been charged with four counts in the case, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of and attempting to obstruct a uh, an official proceeding and conspiracy against rights. Well, as his legal team scheduled becomes increasingly crowded, he and 18 co-defendants are set to be arraigned in Fulton County, Georgia, election interference case. On the 6th of September, well, Trump is scheduled to appear before Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee at 9.30 a.m. on Wednesday. The former president is facing 13 felony charges, including conspiracy to commit forgery, filing false documents, solicitation, a violation of oath by public officer, and violating the Georgia Racketeer-Influenced and Corruption Organization Act, or RICO. Well, the former president's uh, lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, will be arraigned shortly after at 945 a.m., followed by the remaining defendants at 15 minute intervals. The former Trump attorney, John Eastman, will appear next, followed by attorney Sidney Powell, former White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, former Coffee County GOP chair, Kathy Latham, Republican poll watcher, Scott Hall, former Trump attorney, Kenneth Chesbrough. Publicist Travion Cootie and former Black Voices for Trump director Harrison Floyd. So it's quite a lineup all being uh, handled one after the other again in 15 minute intervals. Well, Chile and former Coffee County official Misty Hampton uh, are also on that list. The arraignments should conclude sometime about 3.15 p.m. Well, the judge said last week that he's going to allow cameras and recording devices from local TV affiliates in the courtroom for the proceedings. The arraignments come as Trump and his co-defendants surrendered to authorities at the Rice Street Jail. No relation. That was last week ahead of the August 25th deadline. Well, the normal process for defendants who are booked at the jail includes a search, medical screening, fingerprinting and mugshot. Floyd, the former Black Voices director, was the only defendant who was kept in jail after he was unable to secure his release on bond. Hmm. Well, Trump agreed to a bond deal that would see him post $200,000 as a condition of his release, including $80,000 for racketeering and $10,000 for each of his other 12 counts. He paid a local bonding company 10% of the amount to post his bond, according to CNN. Sadly, the uh, Mr. Floyd was not so fortunate. Prosecutors allege that individuals involved in the efforts engaged in various related criminal activities, including but not limited to false statements and writings, impersonating a public officer, forgery, filing false documents, influencing witnesses, computer theft, computer trespass, computer invasion of privacy, conspiracy to defraud the state, acts involving theft and perjury, end quote. The indictment says 161 separate acts were undertaken to advance the criminal conspiracy, as it's referred to. While the Fulton County indictment was the former president's fourth in four months, it was already facing four felony counts as a result of special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election, as well as another 42 felony counts stemming from Smith's separate investigation into the former president's mishandling alleged of classified documents. Before that, you'll recall, the former president was indicted in Manhattan on 34 federal counts of falsifying business records in connection with a hush money payment to adult film actress Stormy Daniels. I hate that it's referred to as adult films. There's nothing adult about it.
get into that another time. Well, meanwhile, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, he's launched an inquiry into Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis's handling of her investigation into the former president. The Judiciary Committee is investigating whether her investigation was politically motivated. Well, duh. And whether she coordinated with the Department of Justice when charging the former president. Your indictment and prosecution implicate substantial federal interests. And the circumstances surrounding your actions raise serious concerns about whether they are politically motivated, Jordan wrote in a letter to Willis. News outlets have reported that your office and Mr. Smith interviewed many of the same witnesses and reviewed much of the same evidence in reaching your decision to indict President Trump, the Ohio Republican wrote. He went on. The House Committee on the Judiciary thus may investigate whether federal law enforcement agencies or officials were involved in your investigation or indictment. End quote. Well, the committee is requesting documents related to Fulton County's communications with federal prosecutors, Department of Justice officials and executive branch personnel. Jordan also cited several incidents that have led him to question Willis's motivation, including her decision to launch a new campaign fundraising website just four days before Trump was indicted that highlighted her investigation into the former president. The letter also mentions that the forewoman of the special grand jury in the case previously bragged during an unusual media tour about her excitement at the prospect of subpoenaing President Trump and getting to swear him in, end quote, and that the Fulton County Superior Court's clerk publicly released a list of criminal charges against the former president hours before the vote of the grand jury. Well, finally, Jordan adds that Willis was disqualified by the Fulton County Court from targeting Georgia Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones and her investigation because she supported and held fundraising events for his Democratic opponent. Well, Jordan went on to question Willis's decision to bring charges against Trump two and a half years after starting her investigation at a time when the campaign for the Republican presidential nomination is in full swing. Well, Willis has requested that the trial begin on the 4th, as mentioned, one day before Super Tuesday. It is therefore unsurprising many have speculated that this indictment and prosecution are designed to interfere with the 2024 presidential election. Jordan wrote again, Trump was uh, one of 19 defendants charged in that case. President Joe Biden is old and confused and former President Donald Trump is corrupt and dishonest. Well, those are among the top terms Americans use when they're asked to describe the Democrats in the White House and the Republicans best position to face him in next year's election. Unflattering portraits of Biden and Trump emerge clearly in a new poll by the Associated Press and Nork Center for Public Affairs Research, which asked an open ended question about what comes to mind when people think of either of them. Well, for Biden, the largest share of U.S. adults, including both Democrats and Republicans, mentioned his age. At 80, Biden is just three years older than Trump, but many Americans expressed real concerns about his ability to continue as president. Americans are divided along party lines over Trump's actions in election cases. The AP Nork poll shows as well. Well, Trump, meanwhile, has been indicted in four cases featuring 91 total criminal counts and elicits words such as corrupt and crooked, named by 15 percent, along with bad and other generally negative comments mentioned by 11 percent. Not far behind are words like liar and dishonest at 8%. Another 8% offer generally positive comments like good. So it balanced it out. Well, a deeper look doesn't improve things much for Biden or Trump. And while many of the circumstances uh, that are reflected upon 
uh, are criticisms uh, familiar to the partisan divide. The poll shows neither man is immune to criticism from within his own party. And this uh, may be rather telling for the upcoming, well, at least the uh, determination of who will win the nomination for either party. Well, according to a new poll from the Associated Press, Nork Center for Public Affairs Research, there's one thing Democrats and Republicans agree on when it comes to President Joe Biden. Majorities in both parties think he's too old to be president. Well, such sentiments were common. Fully 26 percent of respondents use words like old or outdated to describe Biden. And another 15 percent mentioned things like slow and confused. Another 10 percent give generally negative comments about the president. And 6 percent use words like corrupt and crooked. Just 6 percent offer words like president and leader. And 5 percent use those uh, like strong and capable. The top positive comments made about the president. Well, his age was referenced frequently, even among Democrats, 28 percent of whom mentioned it, a significantly higher percentage than those who point to the presidency or leadership at 11 percent or strength and capability, also at 11 percent. Well, Trump's negative comments center not on age, but on his moral standing and conduct. Now, it's interesting to me how character matters and then it doesn't and then it matters again, along with things like loudmouth and angry at 6 percent. Crazy and dangerous at 6% and narcissist also at 6%. Some 5% use words like strong and capable. One 58-year-old CEO of a manufacturing company in Agrora Hills, California, is a registered Democrat who voted for Trump in 2016 and for Biden in 2020, but says he'd like um, likely leave the presidential race uh, portion of his ballot blank if those two square off again in 2024. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a moment to wrap things up. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, abortion advocates have their sights set on Ohio this fall. On November 7th, Ohioans will vote on the right to make reproductive decisions, including abortion initiative, to amend the state's constitution. Now, the key word in the title of this proposal is including because it's about much more than abortion. Its backers hope that the focus on abortion will distract voters from the other left-wing policy aims hidden in this Trojan horse. Well, the Ohio legislature has been responsible for abortion policy since the state was founded. In 2019, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, he signed Ohio's heartbeat bill into law, making abortion a crime after about six weeks of pregnancy, when a baby's heartbeat can be detected. Well, abortion clinics have challenged this law under the state constitution, and the Ohio Supreme Court has agreed to consider the case. This is why abortion advocates want an explicit right to abortion added to the Ohio Constitution. The initiative would create a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, which include abortion, contraception, fertility treatments, miscarriage care, and continuing a pregnancy. Just some of the initiative's numerous problems. First, while the measures list some reproductive decisions, it also adds the magic words, but not limited to. In other words, no one on Election Day will know what the measures they will be voting for really covers. And no one will ever really know. Just as the U.S. Supreme Court invented the right to abortion in Roe v. Wade, so the Ohio courts will continuously amend the Ohio Constitution by interpreting this open-ended phrase as they please. How far could they go? Well, it's hardly a stretch to see that reproductive decisions involve reproductive organs. Bingo. The gender ideology door is now open for reproductive decisions to include permanently altering the body and its capability 
for reproduction. But you might say certainly this would apply only to adults who presumably can make informed decisions about such profound matters. But you'd be wrong. This ballot measure refers only to the individual erasing any distinction between males and females and between adults and minors. Children would have a constitutional right to make and carry out reproductive decisions. Equating children and adults in the Constitution blocks the legislature from enacting any laws to require parental involvement, either consent or mere notification and decisions about the full range of reproductive and gender decisions. Well, this radical concept goes far beyond anything the Supreme Court ever did. It repeatedly recognized what we all know, that minors often lack the ability to make fully informed choices. That hasn't changed, even though it's the 21st century, and we're now all, in quotes, enlightened. Well, in Ohio, minors have to have their parents' consent to make many choices far less significant or life-changing than reproductive and gender decisions, such as getting a tattoo or receiving medical treatment. Well, this measure would not only directly shut parents out of this category of decisions, but its broader impact on parental rights will not be known until the courts in cases brought by zealous ideologues tell Ohioans what they what that impact will be. Well, not, not only does this measure isolate children from parents, it also legally insulates anyone who assists isolated minors in making and carrying out reproductive decisions. Teachers, friends, predators, or anybody else could pressure children into taking these life-altering steps while parents would be left dealing with the aftermath of decisions they did not even know had been made. But there's more to this right to carry out reproductive decisions. The Supreme Court has consistently held that a woman's right to have an abortion does not require that taxpayers subsidize the procedure. If this measure passes in November, however, the Ohio Constitution will guarantee a right to both make and carry out reproductive decisions. Therefore, lawsuits asking courts to require Ohioans to foot the bill for abortion, contraception and all the rest are certain. And while the proposal mentions a fetal viability as the point at which abortion may be restricted, it defines that term more narrowly than the Supreme Court ever did under Roe v. Wade. In 1973, the court defined it as the point at which the fetus is potentially able to live outside the mother's womb. The Ohio ballot measure, on the other hand, defines it as the point in a pregnancy when the fetus has a significant likelihood of survival outside the uterus, end quote. Well, the Ohio initiative would move the definition of viability later in the pregnancy, allowing an abortion ban only after babies have a significant likelihood of survival. And even then, this likelihood is determined solely by the abortionists and can still be uh, trumped by the pregnancy, uh, pregnant patient's health, which uh, includes whatever the abortionist says it does, including mental health. Well, earlier this month, Ohio voters rejected a proposal to require 60% of the popular vote rather than a simple majority for amending the state constitution. The immediate focus of the proposal was on the November reproductive decisions ballot measure, but the proposal might have also limited the ill-conceived and broader trend of using the constitution rather than the legislative process to make policy decisions. Legislation and not a constitutional amendment is the best vehicle for controversial policies on divisive issues. Constitutions govern government, or as legislation governs, governs people, and ordinary citizens get to participate in the debate and discussion of legislation through their elected representatives. In the end, it's clear that there's a lot more on Ohio's November ballot than meets the eye. 
So we will follow closely what happens with regard to this initiative. And the expectation is it's going to have a significant impact uh, in the days ahead. Well, it's good to be back behind the mic today. I took all of last week off. It was a rather peculiar decision, but it had been made weeks before. As you may have noticed, we have now been joined by our sister station, 820 AM The Word, which is a radio station in Seattle. They join us from 4 o'clock until 530, in which at which point they break away to local programming, and we continue for the last half hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Uh, it means that uh, during the course of that first hour and a half, we're going to try to cover uh, subjects that will be of greater interest to the Seattle uh, Metroplex. Of course, we're all part of the um, the Pacific Northwest, so we have much in common, but we'll try to cover a little bit of what's going on there. The governor's race, for example, in the state of Washington. Beyond that, um, not much more will change. We're going to certainly continue um, with special guests. And while we've had something of a hiatus, we'll be in, in uh, increasing the number of live guests we have on the program. We're also going to open the phone lines and give you opportunities to weigh in on subjects of interest to you as well in the course of the next, um, well, few months. We're in the process of kind of switching some things around to accommodate our new arrangement. But uh, once that has completed, I think you'll enjoy some of those changes. So hang with us. We are somewhat under construction and uh, look forward to including our Seattle listeners from 820 a.m. The Word in Seattle. Well, we are just about out of time. I want to thank James Blend for producing today's program. The King is in the house, Dave King Engineering. And from the Seattle area, Pedro Bartz is producing and engineering from the Seattle station. You'll hear me mention him from time to time as well. Hey, thanks for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.